This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Monday. Where did I get that from? I'm telling you, it has to be that uh, doubleheader Monday night football game. You think that might have been it? I think between that and the Jets getting a win, the Giants getting a win, it just feels like a week longer than it should have been. You know, I'm glad you brought up that doubleheader on Monday Night Football because we haven't talked about that yet. I, I, I don't – if you're going to have two games on Monday night, and I don't know who decided this, if it was like a combination between the NFL and, and our company here at ESPN or whatever, I, I, I don't like the way that they structured it with the staggered start times. Like just start one game at 7 o'clock and then have another game come on at like 10 o'clock. So you can watch each game separately, not having to, like, pick and choose. Now, thankfully, both of them ended up being dog games. So you didn't miss – I mean, Buffalo just annihilated Tennessee. And then by the time you flipped over to Philadelphia, Minnesota, I mean, the game was pretty much over at that point. Yeah, I mean – like, I I mean, the only reason I was investing into the Bills and, what, Titans games because I had uh, some money down. So that – I was going to say, who'd you have on a fantasy team or something mm, like that? Yeah, I put a – you know, I want a nice little – coin last night so it was that literally was the only reason. well if you had bills by 30 i think he even uh came in good shape i mean bills if you had bills by 30 i need to see you uh <laughs> for next week <laughs> i'll tell you i'm not breaking any news here bills are good bills are good very very good both sides of the, not even just one side both sides of the ball they die <sighs> you know how good the bills are Bills are so good that I think Timmy Trumpet is already making plans to come watch a Bills game in person this year, and he's going to bring his trumpet. Bring me trumpet, play the song. That's how good the Bills are. And I don't think he even knows anything about American football and the rules and anything like that. He knows rugby, probably Australian rules football. I mean, if uh, the Bills learned anything from the Mets, I think uh, they wouldn't avoid Timmy Trumpet actually doing that live. I was thinking about it, too. Like, I mean, look, if you're the Jets, don't worry about the Bills yet. I mean, the Bills are, like, not even part of the conversation. You worry about the Bills when you play them. They're not in their league yet. We all know that. But big picture-wise, I was thinking, like, what team in the NFL right now could actually pose the biggest threat to the Buffalo Bills? And in the AFC, I would say Kansas City. Because I, my championship game pick is Kansas City-Buffalo. I think those are the two best teams in the conference. So, you know, Kansas City, of course, will be able to match them fire for fire when you're talking about offense. But can their defense hold up? You know, and is there anybody on the NFC side right now that is good as the Buffalo Bills? I mean, all right, Tampa Bay is Tampa Bay. But I, I don't think this Tampa Bay team is better than the one that won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. I just don't. So... This, you know, might be the year. Literally, it has all fallen into place for the Buffalo Bills. I know two weeks don't make a season, and I know that there have been clubs that have, you know, played two games and somehow did not look as dominant the rest of the year. I I get that. But as of now, in terms of living up to what we thought about them, Buffalo is the goods, the best team in the sport through two weeks of the season. And closer to home on the NFC side with Philadelphia. I mean, Philadelphia is legit. That offense is legit, you know. Jalen Hurts is somebody coming into the season that maybe some people had questions over, whether it's the fans, whether it's, you know, the media. Can he be the long-term answer? Because remember, Philadelphia's got draft capital. They got multiple first-rounders next year to where if they don't like what they see from the quarterback, they're going to go out there and draft somebody and bring in the successor. But why the hell should you the way things are going now? Right? And I know things can change. But maybe Jalen Hurts turns out he is the real deal. And maybe he's getting better with more experience as his time as a starting quarterback in the league. Who knows? 
But Philadelphia is benefiting right now. And the Giants, because I was talking about it earlier with Andrew Gunling, who, of course, is a big Philadelphia fan. And I was like, when did they play the Giants? Giants and Eagles don't play each other until December. That's week, let's see, 18, 17, 18, uh, 18, 17, week 14. Philadelphia comes to MetLife Stadium on December the 11th. And then the Giants and Eagles play the season finale on January the 8th in Philadelphia. Can you, ma- can you imagine? Let's get, cra- let's get crazy for a little bit. You want to get crazy? Prince got crazy once. Let's go crazy, right? That's what we're going to do here. Imagine on January the 8th, the Giants need that game to make the playoffs as a wild card. And Philadelphia already has the division locked up. They already have seating locked up. And they rest their guys. And the Giants go into that game needing a win means nothing for Philadelphia, and maybe Philadelphia lies down. Would they actually do that for the Giants? They didn't do that to help the Giants a couple of years ago in that the Nate Sudfeld disaster. Giants fans would never forget. Remember that? Nate Sudfeld? Never forgive him. Never forget him. I hate them to this day. But that was a different regime. Remember, well, different coaching staff, I should say. Doug Peterson was the coach then. Now this is a uh, Nick Sirianni vehicle. I mean, look, we are just totally looking way ahead of things right now. I mean, so much has to happen between now and then. But why not? I think Philadelphia will comfortably win this division. I don't think it's going to go down to, like, the final couple of weeks. I think they're the best team. I thought they were the best team before we kicked off. I still think they're the best team. And they might even be getting better. Might even be getting better. They're good, man. You know, I don't, I don't know what it's going to take for people to go all in and believe in Jalen Hurts. But I'm starting to believe a little bit more with each passing week. Seriously. You know, they got weapons. He knows how to get them the football. He's versatile. He can make plays with his legs and his arm. And he's a good fit for this offense more than anything else. If he's a good fit for the system, that'll take you a long way. 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. So we didn't really learn a heck of a lot on Monday Night Football last night other than the fact that Bills are good, Eagles are good, Kirk Cousins still can't get it done in prime time, which is why I never am going to believe in the Vikings. And I'd been saying that the Malik Willis era in Tennessee could happen by November the latest, I thought. Might want to move up that schedule a little bit more. Might even be before. <laughs> because, you know, you know what the problem that Tennessee has right now? Well, twofold. Number one, Ryan Tannehill's not getting it done. Ryan Tannehill's not getting it done. Why? Because Derrick Henry is not running the ball like we're used to seeing from Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is not taking over football games yet. So if Henry is not doing his thing, how are you going to ask somebody like Ryan Tannehill to win your football games? They're supposed to go hand in hand. One helps the other. And therefore, you go to Malik Willis. I'd like to see it. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let's say out to Goldie. He's in New Jersey. Up next, Dan Gross' show. Goldie, how you doing? Hey, Dan, how you doing? I love your show, and I love your opinions generally. Generally? Uh, Uh-oh. Well, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop now. Let's see. (laughs) I just feel like premature is not the word for discussing giant playoffs. I think it's the funniest thing. They beat 
the two, like, worst teams, and they squeaked by playoffs. They're not sniffing the playoffs. Not, like, they don't look anything like Philly. They don't even deserve to be in the same field as Philly, right? I'm not a Philly fan. Right. I'm actually a Jet fan. But let's just let the Giant fans enjoy these two wins with playoff talk. That's, that's Cuckooville. It's, it's, it's premature, but you know what? That's what we're here for. That's why we do this. You can have the conversation. Look, I agree with you. They have to show a lot more. But you know what I do know, Goldie, is that, yeah, it was against two bad teams. Yeah, it literally almost came down to the final play both games. But last couple of years, Giants would be 0-2 right now instead of 2-0. and That's also what I know. No, I agree. And I like that progression. I feel like they're well coached. It seems that way. And Saquon looks like he is back. I mean, he looks back. And as far as the Derrick Henry thing, I think we're also uh, – I'm switching to the Titans. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry, yeah. I jump around. Sorry. But um, I think A.J. Brown is creating a lot of hassles too. That, that guy is sneaky amazing. And that takes a lot of pressure off Derrick Henry. And, you know, when you're concentrating on Henry, then Tannehill looked more serviceable. But he looks putrid right now. Derrick Henry has not gotten going. And you give the Giants some credit for that in week number one. You know, they kept him in check for the most part in that game. And, Goldie, thanks for the phone call, my friend. You get back to us. Derrick Henry so far in the first two games of the season, guy's averaging three yards a carry. Three yards a carry. Now, remember, he missed time last year with that injury. And you're talking about a guy who has taken a lot of hits and he's got, you know, this isn't, Derrick Henry doesn't have a Barry Sanders style when he runs the football. You know, he's not running past you. He's not juking you. He's not, you know, spinning away from you or doing some, like, freakish athletic thing. Derrick Henry is a physical bruising runner who generally runs through people instead of around people. And this is how many years now to where you wonder, is all that contact and all that physicality starting to take its toll on somebody like a Derrick Henry? Right? And I know they still got a lot of money coming to him, and Tennessee locked him up, and, and rightfully so. But the guy's got 107 yards rushing so far this year in two games. He would have that by halftime in past years. And three yards a pop. His longest run this year is 18, 18 yards. And if I'm not running the ball, that puts more of a strain on the quarterback. And that quarterback in particular is not equipped to – take an offense, and run it by himself. So much so, and, you know, we're still a couple of couple of weeks away, actually a little over a month away, because I think it's at the end of October. But the trade deadline, a team like Tennessee might be thinking about maybe it's best served in the long run to move a guy like Derrick Henry while he's still standing, while teams think that he could still serve some value, right, that he's not too beat up. Something to bear watching, especially if this Titans team continues to struggle, right? And they can't get this thing on the right track. You're going to see a lot of changes, starting with the quarterback. Definitely. 800-919-3776. And I even said after that first game with the Giants, when Saquon flashed, and he had himself a phenomenal week number one. You know, I know that you don't want to hear it right now, but if you're a Giant fan who's in the camp of... And Judge just struck out, by the way. So he's 0 for 3 and a walk so far tonight. If you're a Giant fan, yeah, you like to see Saquon maybe reverting back to his rookie year form. But you also know that you're faced with a decision at the end of the year 
let him walk or try to re-sign him? And how much money are you willing to allocate again to a running back? So maybe it's in the best interest of the Giants long-term to where if Saquon is playing like superb football for the first six, seven weeks of the season, maybe you think about trading him as much as maybe you don't want to and you think that he can help you win this year. For the Giants to really turn this program around and to continue to bring in elite-level talent, and you know this roster is going to continue to change. What you saw week one in 2022, it's going to look nothing like it looks week one in 2023. Barkley has a great year. And some team is willing to give up, like, primo draft choices for him at the deadline? You're Joe Shane. How the hell do you not think about doing that? Right? 800-919-3776, the telephone number. More of your phone calls, plus treat for Nick fans coming up soon, which we'll tell you about. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Judge is 0 for 3 and a walk tonight for the Yankees. So his batting average currently is at 314. Now, as far as the guy he's chasing for that batting title, uh, batting title, Luis Arise of the Minnesota Twins, guess what? He's 0 for 3 tonight. So he's batting 315. Now, Xander Bogarts is also in the mix. He is 0 for 1 with three walks. So currently, as we speak, at 9.20 p.m., Eastern Standard Time, Xander Bogarts is leading the American League in hitting at 316. Luis Arise and Aaron Judge are tied for second at 315. So that is the triple crown update for the Yankees and for Mr. Judge. Mets, on the other hand, I don't know what's going on with their offense tonight. They can't hit. They only got one hit so far, and the Brewers are on to their third pitcher of the night. And the Mets have only managed to get one hit. You know, I guess they had a subdued celebration in the clubhouse, but what the hell do they do back at the hotel? You know, what was it, like bachelor party or something? I mean, did they let loose once they got behind closed doors and there were no cameras? Because they're literally playing like they're hungover tonight. It's 4 nothing Milwaukee now in the bottom of the fifth. You know, the Carlos Carrasco-Trevor Williams tandem have not exactly kept the Brewers at bay. And you better hope that the Washington Nationals give you some help. Washington is cut into the Atlanta lead. It's 2-1 Braves in the sixth. And the Nats have runners at second and third with two outs. We'll see if they can maybe tie it or, dare I say, take a lead. Carl is in Brooklyn. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Carl, how are you? Hey, how are you? Love the show. Thank you, Carl. What's going on? Um, Just wanted to get your thoughts on something. Let's say... I'll, I'll be I'll be safe, I guess. Let's say Judge were to hit 64, 65 home runs. Let's say 64 home runs, and okay. he gets the triple crown. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he'll probably be MVP, very passable. He's going to be a gold glove. Um, where would you rank his seasons in uh, this season and, like, all-time seasons? Like, you think – would you put this as, like, let's say top three seasons ever in baseball? Mm, I don't know about in baseball, but if you – and you know what? I'll tell probably in the last 20 years, it's going to be definitely, I would say, top three. I think you have to say that because, you know, if you go, I, you know what the basis is, Carl? Judge it against Miguel Cabrera's triple crown season. That year, Miguel Cabrera didn't win a gold glove. So Judge will have that and he going did, and, he didn't, and he didn't break Maris's record either. And he didn't break Maris's record either. So I think that certainly, if you just want to stack it up against something like that, I think that's more than worthy. You know, 2012, Cabrera hit 330, 44 home runs, 139 RBIs. And you look at what Judge has done so far this year, he might even be outperforming Miguel Cabrera. 
Right, but you, but you wouldn't put him up with the best ever. No, I don't think you can because you know what the problem the judge falls into, Carl? And, and thank you very much for the phone call. He plays for the wrong organization. And the Nationals leave two runners stranded on base, so it's still 2-1 Braves. Judge plays for the wrong organization in the sense that you can't even sit here and, like, you know, if a Met had the season that Aaron Judge is having this year, you could say this is the greatest season in Mets history by a position player. But Aaron Judge plays for the Yankees, right? Aaron Judge plays for an organization where when you're talking about, like, the, the, the Mount Rushmores, somebody has celebrated as Derek Jeter isn't even on the Mount Rushmore for the Yankees because it's the Yankees. Ruth Gehrig DiMaggio Mantle will never be displaced. Never. Never, ever, never, ever. So think about some of those seasons and what those guys did. I understand it was a long time ago, but those are immortals, baseball immortals. And so Judge, when you compare to what he's going to do this year to what those guys did that came before him, you kind of say, like, oh, well, you know, take a, take a back seat. Because <laughs> those guys would look at what Judge is doing this year and say, oh, yeah, you know, whatever. Been there, done that. And it was a different era. It was a different world. I get it. But it just doesn't still stack up to those guys. Ryan is in the car. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Hello, Ryan. Hey, Dan. Big fan of you, man. Uh, still can't believe Peter and those guys didn't at least invite you to that dinner. I, I, you know what? Thank you. And I agree. Now, and what Ryan is referring to, apparently, on Friday night, a lot of the guys that work here were making plans to have a big get-together, a big dinner, nice dinner on Friday night in the city, and they all got together after the K show, and, and they went out and they broke bread. I was not even invited. I was not even consulted. And, and, and that, to me, is like a knife through the heart. I know I'm technically like the new guy, but I've known these guys for years, been friends with these guys for years. And probably they assume that I wouldn't be able to go because they thought I had the show that night, which I didn't because we did the show earlier that day. But to not even extend the invite in passing, you say like, oh, I know you have the show and you're probably not going to go, but just throwing it out there, we're getting together. Maybe you could swing by after if we're still there. Not even that, Ryan. Nah, it's crazy. But, I mean, filling in for Green here, you're big time, too. So We're doing our you, best. Man. You're doing great. And don't forget, we're filling in for Greeny again on Thursday this week, 10 a.m. So we'll talk to you Thursday morning, not Thursday night. Yeah, good plug. Good plug. But I just need to uh, put Giants fans in their place yeah. real quick. Um, I mean, I'm a Panthers fan. Like, we're, we're terrible. Uh, but, I mean, in reality, we lost – Two games by a field goal so far to start the season, like at the at the very end of a game, and the Giants are the other way around. They won two games by a field goal in the last couple minutes of a game, and it really just shows that like everything's a game of inches. Because, I mean, I'm reading everything Panthers related, saying how we're about to fire Matt Rule. Obviously, the quarterback situation for us is a mess, and then everything here in New York and New Jersey. You would, you would think the Giants are, you know, heading to the Super Bowl or a, a lock to the, win the division. Like, there's really not that much of a difference between these two two teams and organizations as a whole. Uh, and can I be, Hey, Ryan, can I be honest with you? I actually think that right yeah. now, if you're asking, like, if you took the Giants roster and you lined it up on one side and you took the Panthers roster and lined it up on the other side, I actually think the Panthers have the better roster. In a lot, yeah, in a lot of places, I I agree with that, especially like receiver right now. Yeah, I take I take the Panthers top three guys over anyone on the Giants. 
Brian Burns is a hell of a player on defense. He could get after it. Um, how did you become a Panther fan, by the way? Yeah, so, I mean, that's pretty much a question I get asked anytime uh, football comes up in conversation, naturally, I guess. But uh, so my dad, my dad's a Saints fan, dating back to, like, Archie Manning right. in those days. Uh, and the first game that I ever really remember watching was uh, when New England and Vinatieri beat the Panthers in the Super Bowl on a game-winning kick. Yeah, 2003, uh, yeah. Yeah, things with these kicks are coming full circle now this year. But, uh, but yeah, my uncle at that point was like, yeah, never root for the Patriots. So I just started rooting for the other team, realized they were a, a rival of the Saints over time. And, uh, and yeah, about almost 20 years later, here we are. Who's your all-time favorite Panther? Is it Cam Newton? Is it Steve Smith? Is it Luke Keekley? Is it Julius Peppers? Who's, who's your favorite Panther? Uh, lots of, I mean, lots of highs with Cam. Obviously, the MVP season was unbelievable, but my favorite all time has to be Keekley. I mean, the guy's, guy's a dog, probably one of the top three linebackers to ever play. I mean, I mean, you've been around longer. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but statistically, he's just a beast. It was he. He's a guy who you know his career got short, unfortunately, because of injuries and the and the concussions and stuff like that. And that one of his last ones was real scary when he was almost like you know trembling as he kind of came to on the field. That was freakish, and it's a little bit of an insight of how barbaric this game could be. Ryan, good phone call, my friend. You get back to us. I appreciate it, and good luck to your football team. I think you guys are going to need it. And and look, I'll take the heat. I've said it many times. I'll say it again. I really thought Matt Rule was going to be a good NFL head coach. I, I really did. Followed his career in college. Temple, Baylor. Job he did down there at, at both places was tremendous. And I thought he'd be an ideal NFL head coach. It just has not worked out. You know what's going to happen to Matt Rule? Matt Rule will probably have a divorce, parting of the ways with Carolina at some point in the next year. And he's going to go back to college football next season, and he's going to be a terrific college coach again. And he's going to turn around some program that's down on its luck. There's already rumors associating Matt Rule to Nebraska and the opening that you have down there. And he'll probably make them a winner in a couple of years because he's, he's a good football coach. Uh, but it just hasn't worked out here in the NFL. It just hasn't. You know what it is for Giant fans? Like Ryan was alluding to it about, you know, they're getting all geeked up after starting off 2-0 and and a couple of ugly wins and that type of stuff. It's, it's, the, it's the equivalent of imagine you haven't eaten in a week for whatever reason, right? You haven't eaten in a week. You're starving. And then when it comes time for you to finally eat something, it's like a bag of Doritos or a bag of chips or something they put in front of you. It's not the ideal meal if you haven't eaten in that time, but to you, that bag of chips is the greatest meal that you've ever had in your life because you're starving. That's what this 2-0 start is for the Giants. It's a team that has known nothing but despair and disaster for the last handful of years, so to see them thrive and to flirt with prosperity a little bit, even though it's only two wins. It's basically that bag of chips after not eating for a week. That's what the giant starts of the season is. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let's see. We'll do some Knicks talk. You'll hear from the Yankee GM. All things still on the agenda over the next 30 minutes. Dan Gross' show, 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Richard in Manhattan has been holding. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Hello, Richard. Richard, you're with us. 
I'm here. Oh, Hi, there Grant. he is. Hey, Rich, how are you? Good, good. Aaron Judge can lead the league, not only in the Triple Crown, runs scored, hits, and bases on balls. Plus, he may break the record. Plus, he's 16 for 19 from uh, st- stealing bases. Plus, he's going to uh, he'll win the Gold Glove for uh, center field fielding. How could we say this guy is not having the best year in the career of, of, of baseball history? I don't know if we could say that, though, because baseball history goes back over a century. That's a long time. Okay, I'd say at least 60 years that I've been watching. Well, that's what I'm saying. If you want to go, like, in the so-called modern era, it's— I'll go 60. I don't know what you call modern, but I'll go from from 60, I think from Maris's year. Fairly modern. I, I, I consider that modern. I, I, I might say that it could be if position players, not pitchers, not, th- not including pitchers. I'd say it's—not uh, to interrupt, Dan, yeah. better than Bonds, even with the, uh, the 73 home run year. Because he's done more, more categories, plus a triple crown. I, I'll put him there. All right, Dan. Let no, me I'm, thinking, I'm looking something. up Bond seven. Yeah, Richard, you know what? It's not. It's not the most outlandish thing. And I'll okay. and I'll I'll throw this addendum in there too. If you're a stickler for this, and I am, Judge is at least doing it legitimately. Yeah, Dan. I'll give you another quick thing. I like. Yeah. Uh, Corbin is pitching for Washington tonight. He may lose 20 games this year. Isn't that amazing? Eight. And remember, no, this, no. Rich, let me tell you what's amazing. No, Rich, what's amazing? Before I let you, before, you know what's amazing? Remember yeah. once upon a time when he was a free agent and Pete Alonso just hit a three-run home run to get the Mets a little bit closer. Um, Patrick Corbin, who was a New York native, when he was a free agent after uh, when he left Arizona, he was talking to the Yankees. Yankee fans wanted Patrick Corbin. He was good for the Nationals for one year, helping them win the World Series in 19. He's been garbage ever since. All right. I'll tell you what's more amazing. Yeah. Man. If it happens, if he loses 20, there will be no 20-game winner this year in the major leagues. I don't think no, there, there will be. No, there will be. Kyle, Kyle Wright of the Braves has 19. He won his 19th last oh, night. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, if he doesn't win 20 and Corbin loses 20, mm-hmm. I think it'll be the first time in baseball history that we've had a 20-game loser without having a 20-game winner. I think that would be. Maybe. Because, okay. you know, the days of the 20-game winner like, are kind of flying by the wayside, too. Dan, you, you like gambling and numbers and things like that. I'm, I'm big on... Home underdogs. First week we had in the NFL. Out of the 16 games, 10 were home underdogs. Uh, Six out of the 10 home underdogs won. Mm -hmm. This past weekend we only had four home underdogs. It was two and two. Mm -hmm. The weekend coming up we have nine, including the Jets. Nine home underdogs. What are the Jets? A four? Jets are getting about what four and a half on Sunday? Whatever. I'm, I'm not sure. No, I didn't. Never. I didn't see it. That's why. Yeah, I, I what, thought. what I mean is, out of the first forty-eight games, including this week coming up, forty-eight games, mm-hmm. twenty-three out of the forty-eight, almost fifty percent, are home underdogs. So I maintain bet the home underdogs all year round. I don't think you can lose. And can I throw one last thing, Dan? The Absolutely. Two point, the two-point play. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to – coaches and everyone are going to have to reexamine. First of all, the one point, point after, since they moved it back 10 yards, is no longer 95 98% successful. I think it's closer to 85 to 90. Now, the Giants missed one on week one, and we saw this weekend where uh, the Browns missed one. Uh, so I don't think it's going to be near 90, but maybe even 85 to 80%, which means – the two-point play becomes bigger. Now, 
I don't know if the Jets can perform the two-point play because you basically got a quarterback who's immobile. The two-point play is meant for a guy like Daniel Jones and, of course, with uh, Saquon Barkley back there. That's why I didn't think it was risky at all in game uh, week one. Now, Salah saying that he would have went for two, I don't know. You know, you got an immobile quarterback there. You have to put pressure on the on the defense with a running quarterback to make it, you know, to scramble well, or a pitch Richard, out or a, there's a you lot know, of, run option. Don't look, a pleasure. I'll Rich, you thank, you for, thank you for the phone call as always. <laughs> um, there's different ways to skin a cat. There's a lot of different ways to go after a defense. So don't look at it as a two-point play. What Look at it as, let's say, you know, first or second or third and goal from the two-yard line. That's how you approach it. Just because Joe Flacco's an immobile quarterback, well, here's your – even though I hate the play, even though I hate the play, you see a lot of teams in that situation throw a fade to the end zone, right? Just drop back, have your quarterback loft one to the corner of the end zone, have your receiver go out there and win a jump ball. Corey Davis is a big target. You could do that. That's number one. Number two, incorporate some of the principles of this West Coast offense that the Jets employ. What about a little bit of jet sweep action? Send somebody speedy like Elijah Moore or Braxton Berrios in motion from the slot. Have him come around. You get the ball, hand it right to him, and he goes end around and maybe sneaks into the end zone. If he beats the defense and they don't set the edge, he can, you know, tuck it under the pylon there and get into the end zone. I mean, that's just one. You could do do what the Giants did when they got that two-point play with uh, Saquon. Call a shovel pass to either one of your backs or even one of your wide receivers. You know, a little, little trickeration as they say. It doesn't have to just be like line up, hat on hat, and, 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 and ram the ball into the end zone. You don't have to go to those lengths. A lot of creativity in football. You, you know what I do hate, though? And it is a one of my vices, if you will, or one of my pet peeves when it comes to these teams and how they you know operate offensively in, in football, whether it's college, whether it's pro. You saw it on Sunday night, I believe. I think it was the Bears. The Bears did this against the Packers. They had a fourth and one down near the goal line, if I'm not mistaken. or, or, or it, it was like a fourth and one or third and one, something like that. They put the quarterback in the shotgun. For the life of me, I don't understand why teams do this. Think about if you have to go from point A to point B and it's only one yard, why are you then – going to start the play when the quarterback gets the ball and literally tack on an extra five yards for the distance that you have to gain. I I, I just don't get it. You know, I need to get there. Why am I then going to make my starting point way the hell back there? You're complicating matters. But teams still do it. Anyway, I don't know if you guys saw this, but pretty cool, kind of like to serve as an appetizer for the beginning of the NBA season. You see, there's this new... Do- I didn't even know that there was going to be one. Did you see there's a new Jeremy Lin documentary that's going to be premiering next month on, oh, yeah. uh, I think it's HBO Max, you know, or HBO. Yeah. Lin Sanity. I want to say it's the 10th or the 11th. 10th month? to the 11th of October, which is like a week before the season starts. That should be pretty cool. It should hold me over for like a week. It'll hold you over. Now, I mean, like, here's the question. Is Jeremy Lin worthy of a documentary? Considering that the Linsanity lasted what? Two weeks. Two weeks. I don't, I I guess. I mean, as long as it's not like an eight-part episode like the the Derek Jeter thing. Oh, no. If if it's eight parts and we're just sitting down for two, oh, I can't do it. It's got to be only, what, like an hour and a half maybe or something like that? But I do think uh, 
that run definitely does deserve some type of insight. For this city specifically. Exactly. It's almost like, you know, you could be a basketball fan. You could be a fan of, you know, the Charlotte Hornets, um, Houston Rockets, you know, all the other teams that he played. And, you know, just trying to think because he's well-traveled since. But it's more about the Nick fan. Like, I don't think if you're a fan of other teams that Lynn played for, like, you'd get as much out of that as maybe the Nick fan is going to. Because it meant th- this is where he made a name for himself. This is where he burst onto the scene. And if he did, going from a relative unknown to a guy who became, like, an overnight sensation, if that happened, let's say, in Charlotte and not in New York, it wouldn't have been as big. Oh, absolutely. I think I think even if he uh, – because he ended up playing for the Lakers later in his career. Oh, that's right, yeah. I think uh, even if he did something like that for the Lakers, it wouldn't be as big as uh, – it was here in New York. Just because at the time we did have the stars and we were struggling with them, and he kind of gave us that uh, injection that we needed. Mello hated Lynn Sanity. Oh, geez. That was a – He a, hated it. What a time. Right. I mean, he, he didn't like it. It was like a, it, it was like moving in on his turf. My team. Why is Jeremy Lynn getting all this attention? He could deny it until the cows come home, but it's true. I mean, I, yeah, I would agree with you on that. I, those are one of those, I guess, low po- low points in uh, Melo's Nick career. Can I be honest with you? Mm-hmm. Always. I'm just looking at this right now. You know, I totally forgot that Jeremy Lin was on the Nets. Totally forgot. What was it like? Two years ago, maybe a year ago. It was from it was 16 through 18, so it was technically two seasons. But wow. he only played like 30 something games because he was hurt. That's probably why I forgot. I was about to say, I don't even remember him really in a Nets jersey. He got hurt, I think, in, in game one, didn't he? Like uh, the, the second season? Wasn't it like in the season he got hurt or something like that? Like really bad? Played one game. You know, was, I, I really don't remember him in a Nets jersey. That's what I'm saying. I can remember like in the Rockets, even Hornets, and Lakers jersey, but. Yeah, the Rockets, he got paid. Like that, you know, like the Knicks weren't going to necessarily give him what he wanted, and so he went to Houston, he got his money. But I told, and, and you know, he, I was already a couple of stops down the road when he went to Brooklyn. How much right now? Look, tell me the truth. Look at me right now. How much? How much you think Jeremy Lin made in NBA money? His NBA contracts in his career. How much you think he made? Uh, collectively, uh, I would say he made probably about like fifty million plus. Higher. Higher than that, like seventy-five. Then, like hundred. Lower. Sixty-five. Sixty-five. That ain't bad. That's not bad for uh, what well, he went undrafted. He was a second-round pick. <laughs> oh, we know he went to Harvard. Huh? Was he drafted? I thought he was on. Un- Let me see. Uh, he might have been undrafted. Yeah, undrafted. He was undrafted. So the fact he went undrafted and went. Undrafted, he was sleeping on some dude's couch when he was playing for the Knicks. <laughs> and $65 million later. Listen, uh, somebody would tell me in three years I'll be making $65 million. I would look at them like they're crazy. And that's and you know what you feel good for a guy like that because let let's face it, you know, generally speaking, Harvard graduates they they really can't catch a break in life, you know, they really can't. You go to Harvard like you're gonna have to struggle. You don't have doors opening up for you if you're a Harvard graduate. You know, you got the short end of the stick, unfortunately. Yeah, he honestly might be the most uh, famous of the hard like Harvard graduates who end up going to the NBA. It ain't many. I'm kidding, of course, but yes, sure I mean, think about it. This dude, like, even if he didn't play basketball, he might have like gone into business or something to where like he could make sixty-five million dollars in his like business career with that Harvard diploma. That's crazy. Yeah, that's. Oh, jeez. Uh, 
I cannot wait, though, to, I guess, to yeah. tell you it. And it'll be here before you know it. It'll be here before you know it. Uh, 800-919-3776. Let's say hi to Mike. He's in Queens. He's up next, 98.7 ESPN. Michael, how are you? Good evening, Dan. How are you? Mike, I am great. You tell me what's going on uh, with you this evening. Uh, I'll talk about the Jets. Uh, they are lucky that they're playing the Bengals with no offensive line. They have, what, 12 sacks against them in, in the first two weeks. The Jets might have a fighting chance to pull, to pull it off despite uh, – Last week's miracle, better to be lucky than good. The Browns gave that game away. The missed punt, not taking a knee around the clock, they gave that game away. But the Jets, they may be able to take it against the offensive line this week against the Bengals, maybe against the Steelers. But that's all well and good. It's, we need to see Zach Wilson play. Okay, because these wins are good for the record, but it's about Zach Wilson. Right. So we got to see him come back and play. And he'll be back. And I agree, Mike, I agree with you. You know, this season still, now you'd like to win some games, and I thank you for the phone call. It's about knowing at the end of the year definitively, yes or no, is Zach Wilson the quarterback of the future? Is Zach Wilson the guy that is going to take this team to the promised land, which they have not been for over 50 years? And he's sprinkling some W's along the way. Hey, best of both worlds. And, I don't, you know, I don't get into the whole, like, lucky, they're lucky this. Luck. I mean, you know what? Life is about luck. Life is about opportunity, so why shouldn't sports follow suit? We all know that it was a miracle on Sunday. You're not going to see that again. I mean, if you've been a Jet fan, usually those things happen to the Jets, right? The Jets are on the other side of things. But you're not supposed to complain, and you're not going to give it back. You take it. Because as much as you feel that Cleveland kept the door open and allowed a crazy improbable comeback to ensue, the Jets still had to take advantage of the chance. They had to make all those plays, right? Flacco had to hit Corey Davis wide open. Instead of, you know, he could have easily thrown it over his head. How many times do we see that in a football game where a receiver's wide open streaking down the field and the quarterback overshoots him, right? Jets had to, and, I, and as I said earlier, and I'm going to keep saying it, the most difficult, improbable sequence that happened in that final two minutes was the Jets converting the onside kick because that is extremely difficult to do nowadays in the NFL the way the rules are structured. 10% since the NFL changed the rules for the onside kick. 10% of onside kicks have been recovered by the kicking team. It's difficult. But you know what? You don't you don't think about those things. Because I guarantee you, when I'm sitting there at MetLife Stadium on Sunday, in the coaches club with Greg Buttle, and Nick Mangold will be on with us too. Nick Mangold's going into the ring of honor this week at halftime. So we'll have Nick on in the pregame show. When we're sitting there doing the show, we're not going to be thinking about Cleveland. We're not going to be thinking about, like, what happened and how lucky they got. And they had no business winning that game. I mean, that's 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 immaterial at that point. It's all about how do you get another one? Because if they really are going to be good, and if they are going to start to change the culture of this football team, it's about stringing wins together. Not just win one and then lose two or three in a row, like has been the trend with this team. Win back-to-back games. You know what the funny thing is? In 2020, when they only won two games, they they won them back-to-back. Remember, they went out to L.A., they beat the Rams because the Rams were sleepwalking for the first half, and then they came back that next week to play the, the Cleveland Browns, ironically enough, 
and the Browns were missing like all of their wide receivers who came down with COVID that morning or something like that or a couple of days before the game. So like Baker Mayfield, they had like brand new wide receivers that Cleveland signed off the street because they had to field a roster that day. And legend has it that they were like practicing like route running and working on some of these plays and doing a walkthrough in like the parking deck of the hotel they were staying at the morning of the game. But you know what? The Jets took advantage. They won that game and they won two in a row. Now, you know what? Win two in a row this week. Make it happen. Get the Ohio sweep. Cleveland and Cincinnati. Wouldn't that be fun? This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN.